It's good to be back with you. Wow, isn't it wonderful to just be able to share in the presence of God through that beautiful worship and also just to have a good time and laugh and share and have fellowship with each other. Let's see. Right, well, I have an amazing and exciting task to share with you today as Mark preached last week on the kingdom of God in this wonderful new series today about the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to just start by saying, in so many people's minds, it goes something like this. May the force be with you. <laughs> you know that Star Wars catchphrase is just so popular, isn't it? And um, I love the way um, one of these popular Portuguese chicken food chains has sort of adapted that slogan very cleverly. May the sauce be with you. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> well... Interestingly, a lot of Christians tend to think about the Holy Spirit as this force, as this energy. Um, they talk about Holy Spirit as it. Have you come across that? Where um, they're a little bit wary of the working of the Holy Spirit because sometimes it gets a little bit embarrassing. Do you know what I mean? Uh, people start crying. Some people fall down. Some people have a strange way of talking. And the whole thing is a bit odd, especially to decent, solid Christian folk. So, <laughs> so I thought today what we'd do is have a look and see what the Bible says. Because this is our handbook for life, isn't it? This is the way we are to live. It's written by the Holy Spirit, by God himself, as a way of teaching us his plan of rescue for the world. And I'm also going to have a look at what the vineyard's teaching us in the Holy Spirit. So you're very welcome to sort of dip into these yourselves afterwards. But for our purpose today, we're going to just look at the Bible and then the vineyard's teaching. And I once met an old timer in the Midwest of America who said in this sort of very creaky voice, if the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. And I thought, well, that's not bad. If the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. So let's look and see what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit. It's quite amazing when you start digging, and I've had such an adventure just learning more about the Holy Spirit as I prepared for today. He is the gift that was promised by the Father. He is fully God. He is divine. He is part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Very sadly, a lot of Christians seem to have the Trinity as the Father, the Son, and Mother Mary. And a lot of Christians seem to have the Trinity as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Word. And in a way, the legalism in the Word doesn't allow the movement of the Holy Spirit. He is fully God. He's fully divine. What I also want to say right up front is... When the Holy Spirit moves, and I'm praying, come Holy Spirit today, it's not about hype. It's not about personalities and showmen and superstars. It's about having a servant heart and the Holy Spirit filling us and focusing on Jesus that he will be lifted up and that we will become more like him and that we will be equipped to go out into the world and show the sad, sick, tired, miserable world who Jesus is and why the gospel is good news. So, are you ready? <laughs> yes, great. Well, two weeks ago, Chris 
gave a lead-in about the Holy Spirit in a, a very good talk. He spoke about John 16, verse 7. Let's have a look at Jesus' words. He said, it's better for you that I go away. Now, this must have come to, to the disciples as an absolute bomb. <laughs> Can you imagine that little band gathered around him and they were having that last supper, that meal together? He, he knew that he was going to be crucified and he was sharing vital truths with them on this very last occasion. There he comes out with this. It's better for you that I go away. And when we look at that, how could it be better for them that he went away? They'd watched him day by day doing these amazing miracles. The blind saw, the lame leapt. It was incredible how even demons were cast out. And he would get up early in the morning to be with his father. And then he had this amazing power that he could multiply loaves and fish. They were on a stormy sea, and he calmed the storm. Even the, the elements listened to him. The disciples were in awe of his teaching. No one ever spoke as he did. He could tell stories in the most compelling way, and you know what? They were true. They hit right here. And he sorted out those religious rulers. He told them exactly what was what, and you know, they were fuming mad, but they could not find fault in him. Jesus, how could it be better for him to go? Especially when he even called Lazarus out of the tomb, and this dead man came walking. Jesus explained, because Peter, of course, is the one who said, where do we go to? You have the words of life. And Jesus, from John, 6, from John 16, verse 7 onwards, explained that if I go, God the Father will send the Helper, who is the Holy Spirit, and he will come and live inside of you. What a concept that must have been for the disciples. And that he would give you peace, and he would give you discernment about the things of God, and he would teach you all things that you didn't know, and he would help you to do even greater things than I have done. Wow, that's what he said. Well, I bet it wasn't a very happy, peaceful time with those disciples. And you know the story. Things got from bad to worse. He was arrested. He was tried. He was crucified. The disciples were terrified. They scattered. And then it got really weird because he came back from the dead. And he found them. He came to look for them. And he ate with them. He went fishing with them. And he showed them his wounds that he was really alive from the dead. It was mind-boggling stuff. But then, let's have a look at Acts 1, 4, and 5. He's talking about this promise of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, verse 8 says, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wow, they couldn't quite understand that. And you will receive power, it says in verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, this must have been like dynamite for these poor little band of ragtag disciples because they were largely just fishermen. I mean, you did have the odd tax collector, and then there was the doctor, but most of them were simple guys who just were around that Sea of Galilee to be sent to the furthest reaches of the earth. That's quite something. 
It's interesting, the power that the Holy Spirit brings is the Greek word dunamis, and we do get dynamite from that. So it was like dynamite. When they prayed, come Holy Spirit, and they did wait, bless them, after he'd gone, when he, he left them and he went to be with his father, he said to them one last time, remember the plan, stay and wait in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. Many must have been confused, doubtful, exhausted, puzzled, not sure, but just look what happened as they waited. The Holy Spirit came, <laughs> and he came as they would never in a million years have dreamed. Tongues of fire, we read, settled on each one of their heads. Now, there were 120 in that upper room, and there were tongues of fire in each head. They had a boldness, they had a conviction of who Jesus is in a way they had never experienced before. And they were so excited, and they were speaking with a language that they'd never learned. And these were simple people. We know this was true, because that was the Feast of Pentecost. So devout Jews were in Jerusalem at the time. It was nine o'clock in the morning, and they heard this rumpus coming from this upper room. And they just said, are you drunk? I mean, what's going on? But we read in the book of Acts, these people were utterly amazed, because they heard this band speaking in their own language. So firstly, the gift of speaking in tongues through the Holy Spirit is not jabber-jabber. It is actually a language. And these people recognized their own languages. They were Parthians, Medes, Elamites, from Mesopotamia, Judea, Pontus, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Cyrene, Egypt, Libya. The list goes on. It's interesting how it's all listed here. They could recognize through this amazing experience do you see what God was doing? Why Jesus said, it's better if I go? Because not only the same spirit that empowered Jesus would be in each believer, but they would be spreading this news far and wide. And John Wimber has a, a fascinating talk on the Holy Spirit where he says, it's estimated that in China today, there are over 150, maybe 200 million Chinese who have this gift of the Spirit. Isn't that extraordinary? So the scale of it is what Jesus was talking about. That's why greater things than we should do. It was waiting and then whoosh. I love that. That's the pattern. And that come Holy Spirit is not a prayer by strong, arrogant believers who are almost telling God that they want endorsement for their ministry and their works. It is actually a heart cry of a desperate church saying we want more of Jesus. We want to be equipped for this life. Come Holy Spirit. It's wonderful, exciting. Let's look at Luke 3, 21 and 22. It says when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. As he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The Amplified Bible says, I'm delighted in you. So what I do want to stay, you've seen plenty of stained glass windows where you see the dove coming on Jesus. It is a static dove. 
Or you've seen these beautiful master paintings in the galleries around the world where the dove come down and it's a dove. I want to ask you, when you see a dove descending, it's not just a static statue. The dove is fluttering and then it just lowers. It's an amazing thing. Have you watched birds hover and then fall like a kingfisher? Isn't that magnificent? They hover, hover, then they plunge to catch the fish. Well, how interesting that the Holy Spirit came in bodily form in Jesus, like a dove. Now, it wasn't like an eagle, magnificent. It wasn't like a hawk, who's fierce. It wasn't like a cardinal, who's a bit flamboyant. It was a dove, and how interesting, because the dove was the common, simple, ordinary bird that even the poor could afford when they went to sacrifice. We read about that in Leviticus 12 and Luke chapter 2. And the dove only occurs on Jesus' lips once when he was teaching, and that's in Matthew 10, 16. I send you out as sheep before wolves, so be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, innocent as doves. So here's this picture of the dove, very significantly coming on Jesus because it is what made us know he was identifying with us, the common people, and that we to be pure, innocent like Jesus. And I do want to say here that, you know, we also think of the dove with meekness. And a lot of people tend to think Jesus was meek. But, you know, meekness is not weakness. And I get quite uptight about this when people say meekness you know, is weakness. But it's not. Meekness is controlled strength. And it takes some guts and courage to have controlled strength when you're ready to do something else. So that's meekness. The dove also represents peace. Remember with Noah, after the judgment and the flood, he sent out the dove and the dove came back. So there was peace with God. The judgment was over. And the dove came back with a branch, new life. So can you see why it's very significant that it was a dove? The Holy Spirit didn't need to be visible. Throughout the centuries, he was invisible when he moved the prophets to speak, when he gave Joseph the gift to interpret dreams. You can read about it all through the Bible. He chose to be visible for the band around to see that he was coming in bodily form. And isn't it interesting, the Trinity God the Father's voice spoke, this is my son whom I am well pleased, as the sun came out of the water and the spirit came down. It's beautiful. So Jesus didn't have to be baptized, but he wanted to identify with sinners. Now, I would like us to just go right back to the beginning. Are you ready for a journey right into the depths of time? In Genesis 1, God moved in the waters. And Genesis 1.1 talks about God creating the heaven and the earth. But I love Genesis 1 verse 2, which is the first time that the Holy Spirit is mentioned specifically. And isn't it interesting? The Holy Spirit is the first one of the Godhead who is mentioned specifically in Scripture. And it's a fantastic term about the Spirit of God was moving on the water. And if you can picture, that was just chaos, dark, deep. It was just swirling masses of, of the waters. And here is this picture, almost of a mother bird, hovering, brooding over this, like a, a massive nest, ready to hatch creation into life. It's the most powerful met metaphor, and it's beautiful. 
I always think of the Bible as a symphony, and when you read, you get the same themes coming in different ways, and it's so beautiful. That theme of this bird hovering comes through the scriptures many times. But here, if you can think of that, the birthing was taking place. It wasn't the force. It was a divine being who was intentionally active. He was involved in initiating creation, and he was part of this birthing process. That is our Holy Spirit. The word in Hebrew, Ruach Elohim, is beautiful because Ruach, we know from before, is spirit, it's wind, it's life, it's breath. Ruach. And Elohim is God. Great. El is the singular, which means strong one. But Elohim is God, plural. So it's interesting, there's the Trinity again, the plural, but it's Ruach Elohim, it's the Holy Spirit hovering, it's beautiful, out of this chaos. The Spirit always signifies life, and this Hebrew word for hovering is beautiful, Marahafet. Can you say that? Marahafet. Marahafet. There you speaking Hebrew. I knew I'd get you to speak. Marahafet. <laughs> it's a beautiful word, and it's this hovering, it's this brooding. It also means flutter, and it means shake. And some of the commentators say that this brooding, shaking of the Holy Spirit over this amazing chaos was actually what spun the galaxies into space. And that's why there are vibrations all the way through, because everything is held together by the word of his power. Isn't that extraordinary? It's amazing. Even the distant quasars emit a vibration. And I think if we could hear with our ears tuned, because you know, like a dog whistle, we can't hear that pitch. But if we could hear these vibrations, we would hear the music of the spheres. You know, the heavens declare the glory of God. <laughs> Amen, they really do. So Moses talked about this in Deuteronomy 32, 11, um, which says, as the eagle stirs up and flutters over her nest and carries her young in her wings, that's how you led us in the wilderness. Oh. Jesus, when he looked at Jerusalem and he, he just had so much pain, he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you've stoned the prophets, you've killed those God sent. How often I long to draw you to me. And what a strange thing for a Messiah to say, like a mother hen over her brood of chicks. It's amazing. So the word of God is there. So let's move on. The breath of life, the Trinity was there because God said, let there be. And we know Jesus is the word. The Trinity was moving. I just have to do a quick aside here. Man was no more than a dust ball. You realize that? I know we tried to say that first man was rather, you know, in shapely, but he was just a lump of clay and really a dust ball. But when God breathed, there we go, the life, he became a living being. Let's move now to the New Testament, the conception of Jesus Christ. This astounding story where the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, who's just a young Nazareth, a girl from Nazareth, and he says, you are going to give birth to the Christ child. Let's have a look at one, in Luke chapter one, verse 35. When she asked the angel, how can this be? An absolute wonder, how can this be? The angel answered and said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Now, this is just the same theme, like in Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place 
of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty, and he will cover us with your feathers. We will be under your wings. Do you see the same theme here? As Mary has prayed, the Holy Spirit is brooding, hovering, overshadowing her. And as the Holy Spirit brought the birth of the galaxies and the worlds, he brought the birth of a Christ child into this world. It's extraordinary, the story. So it's no accident, it's, co it's no coincidence that at the birth of the ministry of Jesus, here is that birthing of the Holy Spirit, the dove comes down in bodily form. And it is no accident that here at Pentecost, it's the birthing of the church. Here he comes, but not as a dove. Flames are fire, but it's described as tongues of fire. And I believe that's the Trinity again, because Jesus is the Word. And every time we have the Word, and the Word making flesh, but here, it's tongues of fire, because he's a consuming fire. Isn't this just beautiful? Everything, it fits together perfectly. So, here we have this amazing Holy Spirit who is with us. He is God. He was initiating creation. He inspired the prophets. He empowered Jesus. And he was the beginning of the church. And my story is that as a 21-year-old at university studying psychology, studying English, French literature with nihilism, existentialism, all these voices, I thought, what is the truth? And is there such a thing as love? And if God is love, how come there's all these problems? And I just couldn't get this out of my mind. And one night, by myself in my room, I knelt down and I asked God if he was real to show himself to me. That's the prayer he loves to answer. But the way he answered me, I just never expected. I had studied linguistics, and so he used an amazing filling of the Holy Spirit with the knowledge of Jesus Christ, an encounter with Jesus personally, and the speaking of tongues. And nobody had laid hands on me or spoken to me. It was quite extraordinary. So there I was in my room. I thought, what's happening? I put the pillow over my face. I thought, no, I've got to just breathe deeply. And it just came out all the fully. That really happened. My life totally turned around. Nobody at university could believe that I was going to church and I was going to be baptized in water. So the Lord has a sense of humor. But my life was turned, and that was a long time ago, you can imagine. But you know what? The Holy Spirit is with me giving me a freshness, giving me a vitality and an energy because I love him and I abandon myself to him because he leads me to Jesus, to be more like Jesus. And so I'm not afraid for whatever he has for me. And I do want to share with you that it just gets better and better. It honestly does. Now, Roger is sitting here, my dear husband, <clears throat> and he would not tell a lie. I mean, you know Roger's absolutely clear. There are times in the privacy of home where the Holy Spirit just fills me, drenches me, and I just, it's just beautiful, the worship. Sometimes, Roger doesn't know, when I'm ironing, I, I do switch off the iron because it just is this amazing sense of the Lord where I get on my knees and I just worship him and enjoy him and love him, but it's about Jesus. 
It's about the servant heart. But Roach does know sometimes when I'm praying in bed at night and he's asleep, I would just start to chuckle. It's true, Roach. And I just can't stop laughing. And I just laugh and chuckle. And then it actually gets a bit amazing. And I just start to laugh and laugh and laugh. And it does go on for many minutes. So, I mean, isn't it just wonderful? The joy of the Lord is our strength. <laughs> Often it's in the darkest times that that happens. It's an amazing gift. Now, it's not just me. The vineyard movement is a Holy Spirit movement. Because what happened in 1980 with John Wimber is that he was having meetings with mostly young people in his church. And then he had this chap called Lonnie Frisbee. Imagine having a name like Lonnie Frisbee. Lonnie Frisbee was a hippie. And he'd come out of that hippie movement, and then it went into the Jesus people movement. And he came to speak, and he spoke about the Holy Spirit. And he said, come, Holy Spirit, as we are praying. And an amazing thing happened. He waited, and whoosh, just like in the early church. <clears throat> John Wimber describes it as all heaven broke loose. <laughs> I love that. And what happens, they were moved to go out into the streets and to start praying for people. Thousands came to know the Lord. Do you remember the book of Acts? I was telling you about all these Jews that were there, the devout. 3,000 came to the Lord in one day when Peter got busy. <laughs> and this is Peter, who was scaredy pants. You remember, he ran away. And here he had such a boldness. 3,000 came to the Lord. It is limitless. The power of the Holy Spirit. It's dynamite, but it's for good. It's for Jesus Christ. It's very, very exciting. And then again in 1986, John Wimber describes, and I'm going to read what he said. A violent rushing wind when they prayed, come Holy Spirit. And that describes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in 1986, which left people in the congregation awed by the presence of God thrilled with the consciousness that God was with us. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. The presence of God is expressed by the Spirit of God, who empowers us to do the work that Jesus called us to do in the world. I want to say that again. This is vital. The Holy Spirit is God. The presence of God <clears throat> is expressed by the Spirit of God who empowers us to do the work that Jesus has called us to do in the world. We cannot do this great calling without the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the promise. He is the part of the Trinity who just is available for each one of us wherever we are, wherever you are sitting here. And I want to read from the Amplified Bible now from John 14 and it's, it's uh, verses 16 and 17, and I've chosen the Amplified here because it's so powerful. It's the direct translation from the Greek, which is really packing in all the words. Greek is such a rich language, so you can really understand who the Holy Spirit is. And this is Jesus speaking. <clears throat> Excuse me. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, maybe you're sitting there, and you're thinking, this all sounds exciting, but I need help. The Holy Spirit is your helper. Comforter, 
Maybe you're grieving, maybe you're mourning, maybe you've lost somebody who you love. Maybe you've had a burglary, maybe you, you're mourning that you feel your life has been wasted. Maybe you're grieving because you're just alone so much of your life. Maybe you, people have been telling you lies and you need an advocate. You need to be led into the truth. You need someone who is on your side, who believes you, who loves you. Intercessor. Someone who prays for you and with you. And if you don't know how to pray, you can ask Holy Spirit to give you a heavenly language so you can pray. You don't need to have words. Counselor. Look at these words. Strengthener. Oh, you need to be made strong. You sitting there and you're feeling, I feel so weak. So helpless, so much is happening in my life. I need strength. Well, he is your strengthener. And when everything else has failed you, he's your standby. This is the truth. This is what Jesus said. And he's to be with you forever. He's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. People don't understand and they can't take it to its heart because they do not see him. That's why he had to come like a dove and he had to do this. They just think it's, there's nothing. But they don't know him. But you know him, Jesus said, because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. I love this. I will not leave you as orphans. You might have been forsaken as a child. You might have been abandoned by someone you love. But he won't leave you orphans or comfortless or bereaved or helpless. I will come back to you. And the way that he's come back as God is through the Holy Spirit working. And we know Jesus is coming back again. And while I'm on that, everybody who says that they're a Christian, not necessarily so. Because he said on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, we did this in your name and we did that in your name. Just look at the thrust of that. I did this in your name. I did that in your name. Can you see that's not Father Heart? And he'll say, I never knew you, depart from me. Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. And as I close, and with the band, please come up. I want us to just have a look at some of the ways that the Holy Spirit comes to us. Oh, he helps us to be more like Jesus. He's our guarantee of, of faith. He empowers us to minister to the non-believers. But let's look at the gifts of the Spirit while the band's setting up. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 11. There's such a lot of controversy about this, but it's not about hype. It's not about superstars. The gifts of the Holy Spirit come in order to profit us so that we will be built up, equipped to go and share the good news of Jesus with authority and that we can be authentic not wearing masks, not putting on a show, but to actually live this out. Look at some of these amazing gifts. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. To one is given the word of wisdom. Oh, imagine having the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healings. We've heard about healings here today. Maybe you just would love to be able to lay hands on someone and they'd be healed. Ask the Holy Spirit to come to you. And another working of miracles. Who, would, who doesn't need miracles? 
to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. Look at these amazing, another different kinds of tongues, another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. There's the Holy Spirit choosing. So you might think, oh, I wish I had her gift. I wish I could be like him. You can't pick and choose. The Holy Spirit will give you the gift he knows you need to equip you for the calling he has for your life. And if you just wonder if you've even got a calling, I can tell you, you do have. Everyone is called. Take time as we quietly sit here to say, come, Holy Spirit, come. And you know what's so wonderful? When he comes into a life and he starts filling you, you do get the gifts. There are nine gifts. But what I find is most amazing is in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. And there are nine characteristics in the fruit. <laughs> Things that you will start to exhibit in your personality. Not like a sausage factory where everybody's the same. But he will use your personality, your quirks, your ways to have these characteristics amazingly. Look at them. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Wow. There's another whole sermon in these, the gifts and the fruit. By their fruit, you'll know them. That's what Jesus said. So let's be quiet and ask the Holy Spirit to come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us.